0: P-S-N-Y. Ladies and gentlemen, for the sixth time in about a few months. Football is back, but this time there was actually indeed some National Football League competition on the field this week, and of course the one we'll be focusing on uh, on are the exploits of the New York Jets as they took on the New York Giants in the annual MetLife Stadium Snoopy Bowl this week over in East Rutherford, New Jersey, as they took on the Giants in their annual preseason showdown in the first week of the preseason rather than the third week. It's de facto practice squads, but hey. It's football and you had nothing else to do now, didn't you? Heck, you're listening to us and you which means you probably watch a game, so we'll be recapping it right here on the Jets All the Way podcast. I of course am Jeff Maglichetti, alongside as always, ESNY editor and founder, Robbie Sabo. Rob, happy football. Would it still be called the Snoopy Bowl if it's week one of
1: the preseason? Hmm. Maybe it's the Linus Bowl? Because Linus
0: Linus was one of the characters, right? Linus is one of the characters, and let me be honest with you, let, let's face it, Linus is probably the one personal, personally, in my opinion, likable ca- character of the Peanuts cast. I was never a big fan of the Peanuts. You know, they, they picked on Charlie Brown so often, man. I, I, I didn't need that. I know it's like, oh, it's realistic. That's what kids really do. But come on, I don't watch car- – that's why I watch cartoons for realism. So no thank you. If I want to see that, I'll just go to some playground. So was never a big Peanuts fan. So any well, Peanuts We'll call it the Peppermint
1: Patty Bowl because it's week one, and Chandler Catanzaro gets, you know, it seemed his missed opportunities. It's like Peppermint Patty lifting the ball. That's Peppermint Patty? No, I'm getting it all mixed all right, up Lucy, now. Lucy. But Lucy.
0: Pe- Peppermint Patty yes, So one the Lucy. Uh, she, she, calls, she calls Charlie Brown Chuck and has uh, Marcy following out calling her sir and whatnot, and Chandler Catanzaro did not live up to those leader expectations, unfortunately. Yeah, we'll we'll go
1: Lucy, but yeah, it was um, it's interesting, uh, mm-hmm. having it in week one. Um, mm-hmm. what were your thoughts about the first drive with Darnold and Gase?
0: Uh, is it too early to to uh, get our credentials for the Super Bowl? Is what I'm saying? Is it?
1: <laughs> probably, probably. <laughs>
0: No, no. of course, you know, there's the preseason overreaction. We're seeing that on both sides, of course, with the Jets and the Giants with Daniel Jones. Uh, I assume Daniel Jones only played a single drive because he was on his way to Canton for his enshrinement ceremony. So that's why we didn't see much of him. But I got to say, this is a great sign to see from the New York Jets right now. Darnold seems to be picking up where he left off in terms of Last season, remember there was that three game, three games over a four week stretch. We don't really count the week 17 game against New England. You know, it was the end of the Todd Bowles era and everything. But those three games, it seems Darnold is picking up where he left off. There, he was finding his receivers well. And I got to say, the one I really want to give the, the starter, I really want to give the game ball to on offense is Jamison Crowder, who did a nice job. You know, he was not only catching the ball, but he had that nice run after the catch. He, he caught both of his targets, including the three yard. Touchdown, which he beat the defender for, you know, got the ball over lines. So I really want to give some props to Jamison Crowder, who I really think can thrive in this offense in a slot option right now. And I think he did a great job of that on Thursday. I'm really looking forward to see the progress he makes throughout the rest of the summer. And, you know, I do got to say the Jets are in a bit of a tough situation right now. You know, losing one of their top linemen to injury, you do not want to see that. I mean, the the whole point of preseason games is to, you know, to get out of it unscathed. And Brian Winters did not get out unscathed. He left with a shoulder injury. He's one of their best run blockers and was going to come up huge in the Le'Veon Bell situation. And I think this just proves that I think timing could not have been better for the Jets to make some moves at this point. So, you know, the entire point of the preseason is to get through get through it unscathed and of course this calls into question why we're having these preseason games if that's the primary objective, but that's another that's another topic for another day. So, I was pleased to see that Darnold seemed to pick up where he left off. I was pleased to see Jamison Crowder's progress. I was pleased. To, I was also pleased to see the way they utilized Ty Montgomery in the early going. You know, as both a rushing and receiving option. So, like you said before we came on, he is a first teamer, basically alongside Le'Veon Bell in this offense. So, I thought that was a well-executed first drive. Let's see if they could keep it up, but. In the very, 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 very early going, good to see Darnold has picked up where he left off. Good to see Jamison Crowder has you has found a role in this offense. So I'm looking forward to see what happens once they get more extended reps. Yeah, Crowder is such a smart slot man, great Absolutely. route runner.
1: If his only bugaboo has been health, he's yes. got to be healthy. Him and Anunua together, and if you look at Gase and his utilization of the slot in Miami, in Denver. It's yeah. Announced. Yeah. So, you know, Crowder could come away as the number two uh, target man, targeted man in this offense when it's all said and done. As far as Montgomery is concerned, yeah, he's a first teamer. You can't look at him as the second team back. He no. is. No. He is a look. Gase runs a lot of dual halfback sets <laughs> um, out of the gun, out of the pistol, where you know you got your two wideouts, you got Herndon, you got Bell, and you got Montgomery. And he's he, a, he lot a lot of yeah, and he'll do a lot of that stuff. And on top of
0: it, he's essentially the fourth receiver
1: in the yeah. offense right now.
0: And, and you know what the thing about Montgomery is, you know, we 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 criticize him a lot for the way last season ended, and you know, things very much soured quickly in Green Bay. There was that there there was that, that big faux pas against the LA Rams, you know, taking down the end zone and the fumble on the kickoff that could have led to the tie, but we forget how much of a weapon He was in Green Bay down there as both a rushing and receiving threat. So I think this is going to be one of the more underrated signings of the NFL offseason. So I just want to say good job on him. I'm eager to see more of Gase using him because Gase, like we talked about, he did utilize his set in Miami. We saw, you know, Jay Ajayi. And uh, Kenyon Drake working together d- back there, so I'm interested to see. Kalen Belage was another one he worked into the he worked into the uh, unit late last season, so I'm interested to see how this keeps up because Montgomery he's one of the better athletes Gase has had in his system, probably even dating back to his Denver days. The athleticism that Montgomery possesses makes him even that more da- that much more dangerous. So I'm looking forward to see him land a role in this offense.
1: Yeah, and when they first acquired Montgomery, I downplayed it. I was dead wrong. I actually thought it would be Maguire when it was all said and done as the second team back. And he could still essentially be the second team back, but I was dead wrong because of Gase's offense. He asks so much in terms of jet sweeps, in terms of uh, orbit motions, out of the pistol, the zone rushing scheme, uh, three-step drops that Montgomery fits. He He, he completes it so well from a personnel standpoint.
0: Yeah, I'm very interested to see how many running backs the Jets keep on this roster right now. Right now, I think Trenton Cannon is the odd man out at this point. You know, the offensive, obviously the Jets need to work on their offensive line depth and we'll get into that in a little bit in a a minute or two, but right now Cannon isn't finding that separation in my opinion. I think that's going to cost him late. Now, I think Elijah McGuire, he does look a little bit heavier coming into the season, but I think... What we saw on Thursday, he's established himself as a bit of a receiving threat as well. Maybe the Montgomery addition lit a fire under him. In fact, McGuire, in fact, led the team with six receptions on Thursday night and scored the Jets' lone touchdown after—not uh, lone touchdown, but the, first, the other touchdown in the first half after Darnold left the game catching a short pass from Trevor Simeon. And by the way, I think uh, just to talk, touch on the court on the uh, backup quarterback competition briefly, I think Simeon has nothing to worry about, don't you think?
1: Yeah, yeah, Yeah. and I also also think 99% chance they just keep two quarterbacks, meaning they'll be able to keep maybe five backs or seven or eight receivers. I think seven is the minimum at wideout, maybe eight, or running back, receiver, or tight end. He'll choose to go heavy at one of those positions uh, while sacrificing a quarterback. It was an unpopular opinion, but at camp, I actually thought McGuire was the odd man out because— he has some strange times in the receiving game, and while Cannon does too, Cannon offers a lot more on special teams, so I thought McGuire might have been the odd man out. It, if I, if they're only keeping four, I'd still pick McGuire, but after Thursday, it's up in the air. I, I think it's a dead uh, heat right now.
0: Well, it's funny you should mention special teams, because I thought someone else established himself in a special teams role, and... Look, folks, you you tune into the Jets All the Way podcast, you're going to hear some names in the preseason, you don't know, because I don't know about you, Rob. I certainly don't want to speak for you in this regard, but I'm personally in desperate need of a social life. So the second halves of NFL preseason games are what I describe as a guilty pleasure for myself. Like watching these guys, I like to compare it to watching the Beatles in the Cavern Club all those years ago back in the 60s. Because if you see these guys before they get popular, you have bragging rights forever almost. You could almost say like, oh, I saw him before he got big. So I'm in desperate need of a social life. So I noticed these these guys out there. But a guy that really stood out to me on Thursday night in both the receiving and the special teams game was Greg Dorch, an undrafted free agent out of Wake Forest. He's been one of the more attractive UDFAs of camp. And he really made a name for himself, I thought, on Thursday night. He handled returning duties mostly, mostly in the second half. And of course, this is a big, this is a big need for the Jets, especially after the departure of Pro Bowler Andre Roberts. He had. 42 yards on three punt returns during the game, and the longest being a 32-yard return. So I think that this was a great job by him. And then in the fourth quarter, he scored the Jets' final touchdown. He ends up having 20 yards on four receptions, uh, those are most those mostly coming in when Luke Falk was in the game as the fourth quarterback. So, And I think that George really made a name for himself on Thursday. He's the type of guy you want to give a game ball to, the type of guy for that – That preseason games, they might as well be the Super Bowl for him. He's going to play his way onto the roster, and right now he has the early track to do that. I thought he made a name for himself. What do you think? Yeah, Jeff, remain loud and proud. Be
1: loud and proud about that second half guilty pleasure. (laughs) But, yeah, Dorch, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough cutting that kid. And if you think about it right now, if you run off seven whiteouts, you got Robbie Anderson, Quincy, Jameson Crowder, Bellamy. And Bellamy is really strictly a special teamer. So there's four right there. Okay. Burnett. Yep. Burnett is five. I don't think there's any way Burnett gets away. The final two spots, mm-hmm. I think, are going to come down to Deontay Thompson, right. uh, Dorch, and Tim White. Interesting. Uh, I think peak is, is not long for the, for the squad. No, I don't think so. But we'll see. Maybe they can keep eight. Like I said earlier, it will be tough. But yeah, Dorch, Tim White, they...
0: So, they have, they're really deep in the return game this year. I do, want to, a, do, I do want to give some props to Josh Bellamy, who had a solid connection with Trevor Simeon during the game. He had two receptions, I believe, about 26 yards. I think both of them went, went for first downs, or one of them came very close to one either way. But I do want to give him some props in that regard. I also want to give a bit of a shout-out to Simeon in the sense that you know he did not, he did not loosen his stranglehold on the Jets' backup quarterback position. Luke Fall came in and did pretty well. 69 yards on 11 attempts and a touchdown. Got sacked twice, but I think, you know, he. I think that Simeon has the inside edge solely because of his, uh, not solely, but in large part due to his starting experience. And when you look at Trevor Simeon, I think he is almost the ideal backup you want to have. He's has He has the experience, and he has had just enough, he's had just the right amount of flashes of brilliance over there in Denver to make you confident that should another brief calamity and it's brief in terms of, you know, rather than it being a, you know, five week absence, it's only a two or three week absence. If you have a brief calamity with Darnold, you know, you can survive that mess. That's all. That's what the ideal backup quarterback does. He's a type of guy who can tread water and keep you in games. And I think while well, the starter heals up, and I think Trevor Senian is that guy.
1: Yeah, uh, I completely agree. And I think he gets a he gets a bad rap sometimes.
0: He really does. He really does. I mean, you know, it's not often it, it's not often you see seventh round quarterbacks thrust into a franchise quarterback's fr- fr- franchise quarterback role like he was in Denver. Now, granted, this says a lot more about the horrendous mishandling john elway has done in the post peyton manning era over in denver and i guess you could say post Adam Gase era too as well if we're really getting technical but uh uh but i'm eager but you know he he made the most of what he had in most situations over in denver i'm not saying he was an all pro they're not going to retire his number over a mile high or anything but he did sell it for what he had and i think he makes an ideal uh backup option for for the Jets at this point, point. one more guy I wanted to point out on offense before we uh, transition to other parts of the game. I wanted to I wanted to praise uh, Valentin Holmes a little bit. He did a great job. The rugby, the Australia, the rugby player coming over for jets this year i don't believe he's eligible to make the roster this year but he had himself a nice game three receptions on three targets uh 30 yards the longest being 14 and he even had a trio of carries the longest going for five yards six on the evening total so i want to give him some props there and uh i just want to thank all the uh rugby fans over from the uh, land down under for uh cramming my mentions in the fourth quarter so it really kept me entertained like in the late going yeah, that, you,
1: there's no way you don't have a soul if you don't like that kid. No, that's absolutely. the bottom line. You're, you're someone who needs to be cast aside if you have a bad word to say about uh,
0: Valentine, Valentine yeah. Holmes. No, you're absolutely right. He's 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 a tremendous story and definitely one of the more one of the things you'll keep an eye on this preseason. Now, going to the defense, I mean. Uh, you know, you can't go too crazy over it because these are a lot of backup guys and, uh, you know, some most of them will be gone by the time, you know, we're ready to kick off for week one. Uh, Jamal Adams only played very briefly, but someone who I thought really stood out to me was uh, Frankie Louvoo. I thought he did a fantastic job out there. He did very solid. He had a team-high six tackles. And I believe at one point... One thing I noticed, uh, which was very out of character, I believe, for a Greg Williams defense... The Jets didn't really dial up the pressure as much as as much as I would have liked them to on Thursday night. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and you know what?
1: Yeah, he's not gonna in in preseason. I think he's still in in that in that mindset of uh, rotate as many packages as possible, play as many fronts as humanly possible to see what I have because he because I still don't know what I have in terms of
0: personnel. Interesting. That makes sense. You know. Greg Williams has just built such retu- reputation, you know, both for the positive and negative of this team uh, of this league. And you know what? I was just a little surprised that he didn't up the pressure a little bit, especially with the Giants playing a rookie quarterback in Daniel Jones. So interesting to see. But I do want to give a shout out to Frankie Lulu, team high six tackles, and I think the most notable play he made that was in the late stages of the second quarter. He was one of the rare guys who got pressure on the quarterback, doing so on Alex Tanney when he was in. You know, he not only got pressure but forced a fumble, which was recovered by Neville Hewitt inside the Jets' red zone. It led to a field goal, so maybe the Jets are in midseason form after all. I kid, of course, but, uh, but a good job by him. Game high six tackles and a forced fumble and a great job for a guy who uh, you know who, who maybe his roster spot is in jeopardy, but it does give the coaches you know it does give the coach it does give him some more insurance insurance and gives the coaches something to think about as they look to trim the linebacker spot moving forward. Yeah, the um, Luvu he's in a battle right now
1: with seemingly everybody. Yeah, it's the first thing to take away. Um, this is the first time everyone could see what Greg is doing outside of camp. Yes. The first thing to take away is Henry Anderson. Well, the first thing is the 3-4 four versus 4-3 four, is the most overrated discussion in the history of mankind. Interesting. Greg Williams, he started with the 3-4 the first week of camp. Since then, it's been 4-3. His sub packages are a four-man front, which is common for e- either base. But in the sub, in the 4-3, Henry Anderson is his edge solution Right now, opposite Jordan Jenkins. Right, and Brandon Copeland is playing on the second level with Mosley and Avery Williamson. When he wants to go with two true edges, it's Basham or uh, it's Basham, Copeland, Louvu, and Kufasi who are yes. battling it out right now.
0: I think the battle that I'm keeping my uh, keeping an eye on the most personally is the who's going to line up next to Adams in safety week one and right now with Marcus May still silent you know he's he was talking about some nerve issues in the late, in the in his, in his latest statements i mean i believe gates said it actually excuse me but i think the battle to watch moving forward is going to be between Rontez Miles and Doug Middleton both of them work back there on both of them worked back there on Thursday. You know, they kind of had a rough go at it, especially late in the game. The giants kind of, you know, opened it up a little bit, especially when Kyle Lauletta entered the game, but it's definitely going to be an interesting battle. I think to see those two uh, tested veterans go at it. Miles in particular has really made a name for himself on special teams. So I'll be real interested to see if he can establish himself as a, as a common name in the jets defense. What do you think? Man, you're so right. And
1: it's, it's interesting in Greg's defense because some defense coordinators, the way they play, it's a cover two Tampa or mm-hmm. a cover four. Both right. of the safeties kind of play the same role, the yeah. same two deep role. In Greg's defense, Jamal Adams is basically an in-the-box safety. The strong safety is basically everywhere, and right. he's at the line. And the free safety is a center fielder extraordinaire, an angel-type safety who plays in another zip code. Right. I don't think that fits Rontez Miles so great. But the interesting thing is he has that position up on lockdown. Middleton is not getting much, by the way, of first-team reps. Yeah. But a lot of fans argue they want to see Middleton, and they want to see what he can do. He has been plugged in in years past, and um, it'll be interesting. Keep an eye on that moving forward because it is up in the air for sure.
0: And, you know, it's it's it things for Middleton because he actually got some opportunities last year when May was dealing with a broken thumb. But then he himself suffered an injury. So uh, uh so that w- he was placed on IR back in October. So it, it was it was unfortunate to see. And it's definitely something it, his reps are going to be something that that all Jets fans should keep an eye on as we move forward in this preseason, which continues next week against the Atlanta Falcons down Over in Atlanta, that's going to be on the 15th. That's going to be Thursday night. Thursday night at 7.30 p.m. Now, to go back to the offense real quick, I think it's interesting. The interesting signings of Khalil and bringing in Alex Lewis, that just made the Jets offensive line must-see viewing this summer Because, and the winter's injury adds to it, too, because suddenly some guys who probably felt, oh, we'll make the team, their roster spots are in jeopardy right now, don't you think? Yeah. Joe Douglas does not mess around. Oh, no. He's done fantastic. I mean, you know, say what you will about the McKagan era. Douglas has been so active already. It's 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 fantastic to see.
1: Folks, he's the real deal. Yeah. He understands how to build a football team. And I don't care if it's arena football. It always starts within the trenches. Quarterback in the trenches. He said it on day one. It's what got me so excited. McCagnin didn't say it once in five years. And, and the Khalil signing took my uh, predictions from like a 7-8 win team to now a 9-10 win team. It is that important. The center does so much uh, for the entire offense. And with Khalil in the middle and Osemele looking like a beast, by the way. Michael Mania writing on the takeaways yesterday, uh, uh, Osemele the beast was... One of the main takeaways yeah it's it has me giddy
0: no it's it's, it's eager to see now again, I don't want to I, I don't want to you know raise anyone's ex- expectations here. I do think that making the playoffs is going to be of an uphill battle for his team, especially with so many quote unquote established contenders in the AFC right now. but there's no doubt that they've improved with these moves right now and suddenly it's going to be interesting to see a lot of guys battle for spots on this roster right now. I mean, some guys just took... I felt like they took a lot of penalties on the offensive line moving forward in Thursday's game, excuse me. And I definitely think that didn't play well into some into some guys' favor. I think that, you know, Jonathan Harrison's going to be having to fight for his life right now over at the center spot because that's a spot Khalil will potentially take. And I definitely think if... uh Um, Winters is out for a considerable amount of time This is going to be a big opportunity for Alex Lewis Who was recently brought in for a seventh rounder from Baltimore He's mostly played the left side most of his career uh, But that spot, of course, is taken up by the Beast Osemele right now So I'll be interested to see if the Jets try to move him to the right Especially if Winters is out for a considerable amount of time Yeah, let's break it down You got
1: Beachum, Osemele, Khalil, Winters, Shell Yes now they'll probably keep nine. Nine is usually the, the the nicest number on the O line. Sometimes it's eight, sometimes it's ten. Let's say it's nine. The Doga is the backup tackle. Yes. Uh Kavali right now, I, I don't know what's going on. He's still out. So his status is up in the air. You got a Doga, you got Lewis, you got Harrison, you got Compton. Mm-hmm. Those are probably the guys, but you know, Toth is still in there. Um I'm probably missing a few. Uh but the depth is present like you said and uh there are jobs up up for grabs especially if winters is out I, do we know how serious his injury is
0: uh he went in for tests on friday i believe
1: okay so we're still waiting um maybe they, they'll probably they'll definitely update us tomorrow at camp but um yeah they're deep and uh you gotta feel okay with lewis or compton even uh at right guard
0: yeah definitely i mean you know uh th- th- that's it it again it all depends on what winters does but going back to your point about what you said the center spot i thought that was best on display last season in that disastrous second miami game down in south beach where you know spencer long was just having so much trouble with darnold and you know what it eventually it, he botched like about six or seven snaps, and it eventually led to, you know, increased pressure. And that is how Darnold got hurt, and that's how he missed those three games. So it all starts and ends at the center spot. And one more thing that I want to get into, you know, being a former long snapper, I just have to get into this. I have to say something. The special teams. Now, you talked about what, uh, that Joe Douglas is a go-getter. He likes to get things done, and the kicking spot is no exception. Let's talk. We we talked about a report from Manish Mehta of the New York Daily News. He has reported today that the Jets have brought in a group of kickers to to potentially replace Chandler Catanzaro, who missed his first two he missed his first two extra points on Thursday night. And among that group, brace yourself, Rob Blair Walsh. Ooh, listen. At at one
1: point, Blair Walsh was a stud.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right about that. It was that one kick, which I could go on for hours on how I don't fully blame Blair Walsh for losing that game. Granted, it's probably the special teamer in me, but I'll give you the abridged version of the Blair Walsh thing. The Vikings lost that game 10-9 to Seattle. Let's face it. it Blair Walsh scored all their points in that game, number one. You score one touchdown. It's a completely different story the real goat of that game is Adrian Peterson who fumbled deep in Minnesota territory and led to Seattle's and led to Seattle's winning score. they only touched out the game. So Blair Walsh, if he could fix the yips from that historic chip shot miss, I think it could be a good idea, but that's a big if though the others, others, according to, according to Manish, uh, Chris Blewett is going to be in the is going to be in the tryout. So, uh, if, if there was ever a more inappropriate name for a kicker, it would probably be Chris Blewett. But uh, he, had a, he had a decent career over a pit. In fact, he hit that long field goal a couple years back that defeated Clemson, I believe.
1: Consider this. Uh, the first name that pops in my mind when I think of Blair Walsh and a, and a potential redemption story yeah. is Nick Folk. Nick Folk was also a stud. Yes. I think both of them made the Pro Bowl their first year. Yes their rookie year, it kind of fell off. Folk found his way with the Jets. Uh, you know, I wouldn't, I, you know, Blair Walsh is intriguing to me, immediately, right off the bat.
0: You no, know, it's interesting um, because once Catanzaro missed those extra points, I, w- I immediately took a look at the free agents available, and but and I didn't see I didn't see Blair Walsh on that list, if I recall correctly. I was made, I was mainly looking on uh, Spot Rack and uh, Cody Cody Parky was another one. You know, the Chicago kicker who blew who with the uh, double doinker against Philadelphia. I just said, hey, he's a veteran option. Don't worry about it. Um, I also think the Jets are going to keep an eye on you know the training camp leagues, training camp legs throughout the rest of the league. See who gets released and take a go at them. Do do their due diligence, of course, but. Another one who was available—it was, say, uh, Sebastian Janikowski. You know, forty-one years old. Hey, they convinced Rad Khalil out of retirement. Why not Zebes? Yeah, I mean, if and if they
1: ever get into a bar fight, Janikowski, just bring him along, and you're good to go.
0: <laughs> I mean, hey, with 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 the names that the Jets are getting, they would probably be well suited for that. uh, well suited in that category, you know. Maybe that that should be a Pro Bowl event. How about that? You know, we replace the dodgeball match with the uh, with the bar fight, with the bar fight competition. That that'd be great to see. Uh, Ross Martin is another one. He's he's at Duke. He was actually recently campaigning for the Jets to pick him up. So we'll take a look at that. We'll uh, see what happens. See what happens from these tryouts today. Now to wrap it up, let's talk about the game against Atlanta this week, Rob. What are you looking to see from this Falcons game? Well, uh, uh,
1: for anyone looking to see Le'Veon play, yeah, it's not going to happen. Le'Veon will not play this preseason. Outside chance he plays one series in Week Three, mm-hmm. but I don't think so.
0: That's a lot
1: uh, Darnold, I, yeah, it is surprising based on missing an entire season. Exactly. I think Gase has been molded by the veterans he's come across. Peyton Manning, uh, you know. Under John, o, I think he's been molded in that way. So if the back is not screaming, "Hey, I want to play," I think he's gonna. That's the default status I in terms see. of Darnold. You know, again, expect one series. I, I really think expect one series unless it's a terrible series, and uh, you'll give him a second shot. But um,
0: I think it's also a case of the uh, Sean McVay effect that's affected basically the entire league, and McVay, of course. Made a name for himself in a way, in many ways, as a matter of fact, by sitting all of his starters for the preseason games. And of course, the Rams' offense contains so many, so much offensive firepower, you know, Jared Goff, Todd Gurley, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it is the Sean McVay effect that's, that's taking over the league a little bit in keeping Le'Veon out, on out for these few preseason games.
1: Yeah, the traditionalist of me. Hates it because you see how sloppy the tackling is in week one and week two. It's so sloppy in September. It's so bad. Sometimes the offensive line plays atrocious.
0: Sometimes we're just so glad to have football back we don't even notice in a way. Exactly.
1: But, you know, this is a new age NFL. There are no doubles. Very rarely is it 100% live in practice. So even if they do play in the preseason, how much of a difference is it going to make? You don't know.
0: That's why why it's such a... uh... It's such a thrill to watch these preseason games sometimes because these are their rare opportunities to actually get some hitting done out there. So because it's not extinct in a way, but the contact practices in training camp they're at the very least an endangered species. So yeah,
1: remember back in the day when there was six
0: preseason games? Yeah, yeah, six folks,
1: and it was a legitimate season prior to the season. Uh, they they ran doubles. Ah, uh, Bear Bryant. If he knew what was going on right now in football, in the land of football, he would lose his mind. But,
0: I, I, I don't think he'd be able to handle it.
1: No, he wouldn't. But uh, some of the stuff he did was criminal. Yes, if, okay. you, re- if you know the Junction Boys.
0: Oh, but, so, like we're 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 not condo- we're not fully condoning what he did at all. Just just as a disclaimer, yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh,
1: man. You know, you think you had it rough if you played
0: high school ball in the nineties. Forget about it. Hey, I. I, I, four four years of Don Bosco prep football here, so don't you don't have to, you don't have to lecture me about it. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, different levels. Bear yeah. Bryant was a ten, you know, twenty years ago was a six or
1: five. Now it's a two or one. Yeah. it's just a different way. It's just a new. It's just a new world.
0: Yeah, b- based on what we know now, it's a changing world, basically.
1: Yeah. So I mean, what can you do? What can you expect? What do you look for against Atlanta? You look for livelihoods on the line. You look for jobs. Um, Who's going to win the jobs? Look at the edge position. Look at the base Greg Williams rolls out. I don't think he'll get exotic, but look at who he's leaning towards in terms of personnel. Is it Rontez Miles for sure? Is he comfortable with Henry Anderson on the edge? If he's not, the three interior beasts can't get on the field at the same time in the sub and the nickel and the dime. Um... You know, and look at the O line. Look at Khalil's integration into the offense.
0: Yes, yes, I definitely think that you know there are plenty of jo- there are plenty of jobs up for grabs on the O line now with the additions of Khalil and Lewis to experienced NFL veterans. I'm also going to keep an eye once again on the special teams battle in terms of returner, you know, can Greg Dortch get another, get, get another wave of momentum going for himself? That'll be interesting to see. I am looking forward to seeing that defense. Maybe, who knows, maybe Williams will up the pressure a little bit this time. And, you know, just, again, have a clean game, get out of there injury-free, and, you know, just go out there, hit somebody, see what you do, and be clean about it. That's And as, and as a fan, do the breakdown in your head. So they're
1: going to keep three special teamers, as always. Hennessy, the kicker, and the punter. Yes. Gase will probably go with 26 offensive players, 24 defensive. Obviously not probably, but think of that number, 26 on offense. Two quarterbacks, four running backs, that's six. Seven receivers, that's 13. Four tight ends, that's 17. Nine linemen, that's 25. Right. Where's the extra guy coming from? Does he just keep 25? Kind of do that and see who's going to make the team, who's eligible for the practice squad. I think that's the best way to attack the preseason as a fan.
0: I think, personally, that the second preseason game has taken on a much more enormous importance because they no longer have the cut down to 75. They just go right to 53. So I think this second preseason game takes on a bigger importance in the sense that this is going to be the last opportunity you kind of have in a way. Of course, you have that fourth game. But by that point, a lot of the roster spots are already decided because the third game is a dress rehearsal, and the fourth game they basically send out what's basically the uh, practice squad, I believe, out there. And you know, is sometimes you sometimes by the time you get to the fourth game, the coach's mind is already made up. So this second game is going to be one is going to be one where jobs are won and lost. I feel. Do you agree?
1: Yeah, and I don't know if I like that rule, the new cut down rule. What is this, the second or third
0: year with it? Uh, yeah, I think it's the, uh, oh, 17, 18. This is the third year
1: with it, I believe. Okay, and hard, by the way, HBO, Hard Knocks probably hates that rule. It takes oh. away so much drama from the show. I'm mean, Speaking great. of the show, Antonio it's, Brown.
0: Uh, say again? Antonio Brown. Oh, my what, goodness. What is going on with this guy? So from, from a local standpoint to fit our benefits, how much of a bullet did the Jets dodge in that regard? I, listen, I was completely against
1: it. I was also against Le'Veon. You you can't deny his talent, obviously. I'm fair about it. But I was even more against Antonio Brown. If he was 26, okay, let's go. But football being such a culture game, such a locker room game, such a momentum game, you can't handle that stuff. I mean, that's just ridiculous.
0: I I feel that Antonio Brown is the result of Odell Beckham Jr. critics' wildest dream. Now, Grant, I'm not saying I'm not saying Odell isn't entirely controversy free either. He says things that I personally probably wouldn't necessarily say in public either. But Antonio Brown feels like Odell times fifty with his antics. So I feel that you know if Odell was doing this, people would be going much crazier over it. I, I've seen some people writing this up. Oh, it's just a b b and a b. I think that is not the case. And. I I actually wrote back in, I believe it was January, I wrote how the Jets should pass on this Antonio Brown situation because Antonio Brown was a guy who was going into this offseason looking for redemption, especially after the way things soured in the end in Pittsburgh. So, and he has yet to find it, it feels like, over in Oakland. I think anyone involved with the organization will agree with you on that. The Jets are a team looking for redemption as well. You know, they haven't made the playoffs in eight years. They're looking to, you know... Start, start anew with this new case era by, by bringing in the rookie quarterback last season, by bringing in some free agent names, so facilitating a redemption story on such uh, on such a high-profile case was the last distraction they needed right now, and right now it seems like that's being proven correct.
1: Yeah, and in a strange way, I understand his claim here with the helmet. Um, he either wears the Riddell, the old-school Riddell helmet, or the shut air Mm. i forget which one and i understand his claim once you find that helmet you don't want to change you don't but you can't take it this far you know the the quotes he said football doesn't you know i don't need football football needs me the you know i forget if it was the steelers or the raiders They'll, they'll have to play they'll have to work with me on my terms it's just outrageous
0: you can't have that guy on your team you just can't it doesn't work football has survived without antonio brown for nearly a hundred seasons and they'll survive again without him as well and i feel these are just discussions you handle internally and it's one of the many reasons the jets dodge a major bullet here so that's going to do it for us here on the jets all the way podcast you know follow both of us on twitter and and like esny jets on facebook and we'll be back. We'll be back next week to recap the Atlanta game for Robbie Sabo. I'm Jeff Magluchetti. Thanks for listening, folks.